If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today I'm delighted to introduce Lisa Potterson. Lisa's had a traditional background. She's a riding coach. She's had a traditional background in dressage and eventing, but then gone on to natural horsemanship. So she's going to tell us a bit about that journey. And um, she owns and manages the Byron Bay Natural Horse Centre. And I know that Byron Bay is an absolutely beautiful place. Um, how are you today, Lisa? I'm very well. Thanks, Glennon. And you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm very well too. I'm just thinking about Byron Bay and it is a lovely place to have horses and to ride. And Good. You can tell us a bit about that anyway. But Lisa... You started off with your traditional role in dressage and eventing, but before we even do that, what have you got in the way of a favourite quote for us? You know, something that people can um, get to know you a little bit more just by your quote. One of my favourite quotes that I read actually in a book by Ren Hurst, and she said uh, it was in a book called Riding on the Power of Others, and she said it really summed up the book, and it's actually a quote by Jimi Hendrix, mm -hmm. and it's, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace. And I find that quite applicable to what's happening in the horse world. Yes, it's a very deep saying, you know, it's something that you can really think about quite a lot. Yeah, power of love instead of the love of power. Yeah, yeah. Tell us then, you read it, but how has it affected you? Well, I made a choice after I watched Stormy May's documentary, Pass of the Horse, and I made a choice to go a different way. I decided to stop using a bit, and I was still in the process of completing my Equestrian Australia coaching accreditation, and it's legally required to use a bit. and. I decided that it wasn't necessary and that there was another way. And that was the beginning. And what I have come to realize now is that it's really about letting go of an old program, an old tradition that may not be needed anymore or could be revised. Uh, nowadays, because I don't feel that horses need to be controlled through pain, especially. So I've made those kind of changes in my life and how I work with horses. That's a pretty brave, you know, to go against convention like that. I'm sure you would have come across, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, you know, some people who might have challenged you on that bravery. But Lisa, before we start off, just tell us about one of your earliest memories with horses. You know, don't make it general. Talk about a specific day or a specific time that you have a memory. My first experience 
was with a horse when I was five years old. Mm -hmm. And I was walking through a field by myself, and there were no other kids around. There was no one nearby. And one horse started following me everywhere I went. And I was walking on little tracks through a forest, and this horse came with me. And I, I remember initially feeling all alone. And then this horse became my friend, and I suddenly felt safe, I felt seen, and I felt unconditionally loved. And the people who owned this horse, they must have been looking out the window or something, and they noticed what was happening, and they said, oh, this horse is now your little buddy. And they started to call him Little Buddy. Mm. And that experience changed the entire trajectory of my life. Yeah. It's amazing how those little things, you know, call it the butterfly effect, just one little thing can change so much. You know, I think the butterfly flaps its wings and it can cause an earthquake on the other side of the world. But obviously that one day, one time, you know, and it might have only been, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. It might have been an hour or two. But if that's changed your life. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell us then, you know, from there working with horses and having a career with horses. Was that always something from that very first time that you were going to do or was it something that came to you later? Tell us a little bit about that. No, not at all. That happened when I was five Mm. and then I begged and pleaded for my parents to let me have horse riding lessons until finally I started um, training with a man who actually taught Elizabeth Taylor how to ride for, was it National Velvet? Yes. And... And then, uh, as I became a teenager, I stopped uh, becoming involved with horses, I think, and other things took over. And then I came to Australia in 2004, and I used to work in the film industry. I'm originally from Los Angeles. And I realized that the film industry wasn't very big in Brisbane and in Australia, where I came to uh, in that year. And I might as well just enjoy my life and and do my passion, which is working with horses and being with horses and something having to do with horses. And so that's when I decided that one thing I could do would be to to become uh, an Equestrian Australia coach. And I started that process. And um, it's completely taken another turn and uh, as life does. And um, I've continued to have horses in my life ever since. Mm, mm. All right. Now you've gone on becoming a coach and good to get the credibility, to get the qualification, you get insurance, every, you know, everything else. But then from there to move on to riding without a bit and doing unconventional work with horses, what made you change to that sort of work? Well, it was really when I watched Path of the Horse. Okay. And I would suggest that for anybody who's interested in this way of being with horses, um, Stormy May went around the world and spoke to many, many different people that are on this path. And I just found it incredibly inspiring. And when I watched Alexander Nevzorov uh, work with horses with no gear whatsoever, and the horses were in perfect collection because they chose to, because it felt good in their bodies because they had the freedom to express themselves in any way that they wanted. They could buck, they could kick, they could jump, 
they could also be in perfect collection and work with Alexander. I thought, wow, I, I mean, if he can do that, I, the least I can do is remove the bit, which I know is causing pain. And if I actually love my horse, why would I want to cause him pain? So that's when I made the decision to stop doing that. And luckily, I was able to work with some amazing coaches from Equestrian Australia, one of them being Sandra Pearson Adams. And she allowed me to do my work and my assessment with a bitless bridle as long as I was able to do the task. And I found my horse was much happier and he moved much more freely and our experience together was more, more harmonious. And so that's what I've continued to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful for, for, the, for the coaches to be that open-minded as well because yes. it's, it's essentially illegal. Yeah. So just thinking about if someone is going to start down that path of the more natural way of riding, what sort of character traits would you look what did they need obviously an open mind but what else do they need what type of people what type of personality what type of thinking gets people down that path I would say it would have to be the type of person that is willing to let go of an old program a person that would be interested in evolving into a more refined version of themselves, a more aligned version of themselves. I found that the more that I delve into this this path, and I continue to learn every single day from different people, from my horses, from experiences, that as a person, I feel more joy. I definitely had to let go of that old paradigm in many, many ways, including, you know, having nothing to do with the horses. I've even, you know, decided, well, if I love animals, then why would I eat them? So I've become a vegetarian and I'm pretty much vegan. I also, you know, have made a stand against that in in my life because I want to feel that my actions are in alignment with my values. So I think it's somebody who's brave enough to go against the grain and say, yeah, actually, I, I don't eat animals or I don't use a bit. I don't cause, I try not to cause pain and suffering to another being, essentially, mm-hmm. a being that I say that I love. Yep, yep. So once you've let go, you know, you talked about letting go of that old paradigm. Yeah. Once you've let go of that, what's the best thing that happens? I think everything has improved in my life. My health has improved, my joy has increased the amount of fun that I'm having in my life, in my experiences, both with my horses and with different people in my life. Um, My relationships have improved. Um, I think it comes from letting go of this need to control or letting go of this idea that things should look a certain way or letting go of people's expectations of how they see us needing to be, for instance, our parents or some sort of authority figures. And it allows us to expand into a more full representation of our true self. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been an incredible journey. And I would, 
I wouldn't have traded any of the, even the pain and the suffering and the frustration and the, you know, grappling. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. So yeah, it's been amazing. Okay. Okay. Now thinking along the lines of where you are now, and you've talked about Stormy May and Alexandra and Ezra, is there anyone else that you think's influenced you and, and helped you along that path? Absolutely. There's been so many people that have inspired me. Um, many of them I've interviewed from a, a, for a book that I'm working on called Foundation for Freedom, A New Way of Being with Your Horse. And I'm also um, doing an online course that goes with that. And so I decided I was going to interview the 12 most inspirational people I could find in the world. And um, some of those people are Michael Evalacqua, and he is in Canada. He's in Quebec, and he is actually Alexander Nevzorov's senior representative. Mm -hmm. And through this process, he's become a good friend and very much in support of what I'm doing, and I'm, I'm so grateful to him. He's also written an amazing book called Beyond the Dream Horse that I would highly recommend. Another would be Klaus Ferdinand Hempfling. When I saw his videos on YouTube, I thought, wow, he's doing it. This work with horses without any gear, there's total connection. There's joy. There's freedom of expression. There's, there's movement. There's beauty. I just thought, wow, I, I'm, I really wanted to find that. And the funny thing was I, I sent myself to Denmark to work with him for a month and we barely touched a horse when we were there <laughs> and it was one of the most powerful months I've spent so definitely Klaus uh, John Chatterton has been an incredible mentor Liz Nitton Ryan um, she's also in Canada she's channeled I think five books directly from her herd of 14 horses that are all genetically related running on 320 acres and um, also Ren Hurst, who I mentioned in the beginning. And she's also written uh, an amazing book called Riding on the Power of Others. Okay. I'm, I'm writing these books down. I'll ask you a little bit about them later. What about horses? Have you had a particular horse? Or how have horses influenced you to put you on this journey? Well, funnily enough, the first horse that I adopted in Australia, his name is Bob. <laughs> he's a thoroughbred and he was an adventure and the interesting thing was when I was grappling with this to bit or not to bit concept I could not find a bit that fit his mouth it just seemed everything I tried didn't fit quite right it was either too thick or too thin or too small or too wide or it pinched on the side and, and that's when I realized nothing was working. It just didn't feel right to me. And so I just ditched the whole thing. And I had actually called Michael Bevilacqua because I knew that he was Nevzorov's senior representative. And he recommended, if I wanted to try a bitless bridle, to try a Dr. Cook's. And um, look, I, there's many, many bitless bridles on the market. And that's just one of them. But I found it to be absolutely great and very, very easy to transition. Uh, from a bit. So um, I've had no problems with it whatsoever. And so my horse essentially told me that the bit wasn't working and I just had to listen. Mm -hmm. And um, I've had that Dr. Cook's bridle for oh, a decade now and it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one other, I also have another horse and her name is Kona and she's also a thoroughbred and she was quite damaged from the racing industry, mostly mentally, I would say. 
and a complete stress case. And she, when I got her, was bucking and kicking and biting and rearing. And I brought her to a level two EA coach and I said, what do you think? And she said, get rid of her. You're going to get hurt she, or, or it's going to take a very, very long time to train this horse. And um, a series of events happened. I ended up keeping her because I didn't want her to um, be abused or be neglected or be put down or somebody to get hurt. So I ended up keeping her. And she has been the most incredible teacher because of all the problems. So that's the other thing I would I would mention to people is that sometimes when you have lots of problems, whether they be physical problems like trying to get rid of seedy toe or itch or something like that, or you're dealing with a horse that's dangerous and, and rearing and, and biting and kicking and all this, when you are um, interested in and committed to working through the problem, you learn more, much more, I found, than when things go smoothly and everything is easy. So they're both incredibly inspirational for me on a daily basis. What do you think your proudest moments be? Is it with them, with another horse, with your students, or when do you think that would be? Well, there was another quote that I was thinking of, which is from Albert Einstein, and he said, the important thing is to not stop questioning. Yes. So when I was, like I said, I was training to become an EA coach and I watched the path of the horse and I realized that my dreams needed to change and that that's when I decided to stop using a bit and whips and spurs and anything that I I thought would cause pain. And so my proudest moment would be when I decided to let go of that, that paradigm, that program and let go of what the authority figures were doing at the highest level, which was the Olympics, let's say. And I had really wanted to go to the Olympics. That was a big dream of mine because I thought that was the ultimate. And I'm very, I guess, happy that I made the changes, that I didn't hang on to something because I don't know why I would, but sometimes we get in these habitual ways of doing things. And I think that I'm proud to have let go and allow myself to grow and evolve and develop a new way to be with horses that's brought us more joy, um, fulfillment, much more safety, and more fun. Yep, yep, yep. We talked earlier about being brave and doing something that does go against tradition. You know that, that people have been doing things for thousands of years and all of a sudden you're saying, no, I, I want to do something a bit different. What's been your biggest challenge? Have there been people that, you know, that are telling you or or what do you think is your biggest challenge of changing from traditional riding to a more natural way? Well, there's lots of challenges, actually. The predominant ones would be that you're not accepted anymore in the group that you were in. So you have to go through a period of, well, I guess when I did it, it was a period of isolation in a way where you make the decision to not compete and you make the decision that if your horse doesn't want to do something, then you don't do it. So that can be hard to deal with. You know, let's say your horse doesn't want to go onto the float. Instead of forcing your horse with bum ropes and, you know, lunge whips and pulling them on 
in some physical way, you just say, look, it's not that important for me to go. So there's obviously some bigger things that I have to deal with, and I have to teach my horse peacefully in a calm state how to put his foot on the ramp and then praise him and back him off and say, fantastic, that's all that I wanted. And I guess one of the challenges is to be patient as well and to see what's actually happening in front of you while it's happening. And rather than um, be stuck in your own goal, like, I need to get on this float, I need you to get on this float right now, we need to be somewhere in an hour, this is very important, and then forcing the issue, I think the biggest challenge is to just let that all go and say, well, it's actually not that important. I don't need to get to the beach. I don't need to go on this trail ride. It's actually more important that our relationship is intact and you feel trusting and you feel happy and we can do this as partners rather than me just demanding my my will, forcing my will. So it's just a, a different take on it all, isn't it? Mm, mm. You know, as I said earlier, being brave but thinking about being different And I think anyone that chooses something that is away from the crowd is initially not accepted anymore from the group that they're in. Initially, you know, not not forever, but initially you're not normal, you're not one of the group, so you are ostracised a bit. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm, mm. For someone who is thinking about going down your path, what would you say to them, you know, if they're worried about, not being part of the group anymore, not being accepted anymore? Well, I would say, why would you want to be part of a group that's causing pain and suffering? So why not create a way to be in support of all life in the natural world? So think of a way that you can align your yourself and your values to doing something that you feel incredibly good about that um, it could be something as simple as, you know, veterinary care. It could be vet nursing. It could be taking care of wildlife. It could be equine massage. It could be hoof care. It could be Reiki. It could be herbalism, homeopathy. I mean, filmmaking, storytelling, editing, photography, pro-animal activism, anything that you feel makes your heart sing, that is so much more worth it than fitting into some group that in your heart of hearts, when you really feel into it, doesn't feel like you mm-hmm. and the highest version of yourself. So I think it's, it's absolutely worth it. What do you think then, just thinking about general populations, because you've been there, you've been out competing, you've been riding in a bit, you've been doing lots of things. What do you think is the most common fault that you see with riders out there competing? Well, unfortunately, I think it's being stuck as well to this this agenda. And um, Stormy May mentioned it when I spoke to her, and she said it's very hard for people to see this and be open to this being true. But 98% of riding that's done today is mentally and or physically traumatizing for horses. Is it that people need to recognize it, that you think they're just not recognizing it? Absolutely. Uh They're not seeing it. They're not seeing the stress. They're not seeing the pain. They're not seeing the, the pressure, the mental and physical pressure from the gear. 
from the humans being stuck to their goals. Yeah, and this this causes horses quite a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. All right. Now, you mentioned earlier that you're you're writing a book. Is it finished yet or not finished? Nearly, nearly. Okay. I'd okay. say about three quarters. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, we'd like to get you back on, Lisa, when it is finished, you know, so we can talk about it a bit more. I think that'll be good. I'd love to. Yeah. yeah. And and you did mention a couple of others, You the um, Beyond the Dream Horse. There was another riding book. What, what were the others that you mentioned? Yeah, sure. Um, Michael Bevilacqua's book, Beyond the Dream Horse. Uh, Ren Hurst's book, Riding on the Power of Others. I think the rest of it is A Horsewoman's Path to Unconditional Love. Uh, Liz Mitten Ryan has channeled several books from her herd. I think um, one from the herd, but there's there's four or five others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's quite a few out there. Good. And I also feel the trauma that I, I'd like to go back to just when yep. I said that, you know, 98% of riding is, is traumatizing for horses. There, there is a way to fix this. And that's just by letting go of the old conditioning and seeing what's actually happening in front of you. And it's quite simple to, to become present to how your horse is in that moment mm-hmm. because the horses speak through, through their body language. If you notice that your horse doesn't want to do something and you're actually able to see that and take the time to show them how to do it in a peaceful way and you don't impose your goals on your horse through any kind of force or pressure, then you're going to build that mutual trust. And that's how you start removing the gear. You start removing the ropes and the devices and are able to connect with their mind and their heart. And their, and it's, it's amazing. And also a simple way to, to um, fix that problem is, is just to spend unstructured time with your horses, doing nothing in particular, because we always go out in the paddock and we have some sort of goal. We have, oh, I'm going to go catch my horse and take him for a ride, or I'm going to go um, throw that halter on and I'm going to go um, do their feet or whatever. But I, at least I always found that I was doing something. I was always doing, 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 or I'm going to go feed them or I'm going to go blah, pick up manure or whatever. And just to spend that time in the paddock doing nothing is so incredibly valuable and the horses will often come up to you and stand with you and breathe with you and it's a meditative time and it's a it's a you're sharing space together and when you look at horses in the paddock and their and their friends what do they do together they stand together doing nothing and so when you simply go into your paddock and just hang out you start creating a beautiful relationship with your horse because you're not demanding anything. Mm-hmm. You're just seeing them as an individual, not as any kind of tool. So um, I think that that's a, a very simple way to start fixing the problem. Yep, yep. Lisa, what are you looking forward to now? What does your future hold? You've got your book to finish. What else are you doing? Well, once the book is complete then I'm going to complete this online course that goes with the book so that you don't read the book and say, oh, yeah, that's great. But how do I actually apply these 
these concepts to my life with my horse. You know, it's a bit airy-fairy. So what I want is to offer people the course, which is a, a program to help people learn the practical skills so that they can be with their horses in this way and increase their safety, increase their joy, and have more fun. So in the very long term, I would like to have an educational center designed to bring this harmony and joy back into our interactions with horses, mm-hmm. like a horse consciousness center. Um, and I'd like it to be a sanctuary as well so that all animals are safe there and all animals will be supported and a place where humans can come and connect with the horses and the animals and nature and themselves. So that's the long-term vision, absolutely. Mm. I think that's good. Good, Lisa. All right. Now, Lisa, we've talked a lot about your philosophy with horses throughout the last, you know, half hour or so, but would you like to just summarize it into a couple of sentences now? I'd love to. And it's really simple. It's the golden rule that we all know. And that's do unto others as you would like done unto you. So if the goal is, well, I guess the goal is for humans to have unconditional love for themselves and for all life. And I believe that there's a way to achieve this. And that's by increasing your awareness of yourself and who you are and um, creating a life for yourself that's in alignment with your values. And don't be afraid to fail and be wrong or have problems because those are the steps to your evolution. Mm. All right, Lisa, I think you've given everyone lots to think about coming in from, as I said, a non-traditional point of view. And I think people can sort of sit back and have a bit of a think about what you've said, you know, really listen to the interview and, um, you know, take on some points that you've said. Lisa, what's the best way to contact you? Well, you can look up Byron Bay Natural Horse Centre mm-hmm. on Facebook or Google and um, all the numbers and email addresses are there. Perfect. Okay. And those will be on the page at Horse Chats as well. It'll be horsechats.com slash Lisa Potterson or just go to horsechats.com and search for Lisa. And that's L-I-S-A or else Potterson, P-O-D-I-S-I-N. So thanks very much for talking to us today, Lisa. We look forward to talking to you again about your book. Oh, that was um, uh, the wrong spelling of the name. I have a very strange last name. (laughs) It's P-O-D-O-S-I-N. O-S-I-N. Yes. Yeah. Probably best that you talk about it now too, otherwise people will be searching <laughs> for the wrong thing. So it's Lisa, L-I-S-A, or P-O-D-O-S-I-N. Is that right? Yep, that's it. Perfect. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I'm sure if you go and search for Lisa, you'll find it anyway. All right. Thanks very much, Lisa, and um, hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Thanks, Glenna. Lovely Bye. talking to you. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.